This is a Sci-Fi Rewind with Kevin Batchelder, Miles P. McLaughlin, and Scott Herzog. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Rewind. This is a Sci-Fi Diner podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Scott Herzog. Good evening. I'm Alice Pumagotlin. And what episode is this? Like episode 11, 12? I think it's like 16 or 17. We've done a bunch of these so far. Yeah, a bunch of rewinds. But we have some special guests that are joining us tonight. Mm -hmm. We'd like to welcome the Landcaster. We have David and Keith. How you guys doing? Great. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. Well, it was very good having you. Uh, if you don't know, I've been on... I think we may have mentioned this, too, that I was on the Landcast. Did we mention it on the show? I thought we did. We probably did. Um, we mentioned that I was on their podcast featuring... Uh, you guys just focus on what? All sorts of Lancaster County and things, more or less? Yeah, we used to be uh, hyper-local, but we've kind of branched out to uh, past that. But so generally, our things tend to be Lancaster-based. Like uber-local now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uber, now, Uber. now we're crazy local. Yeah. The, the whole thing's actually broadcast in Pennsylvania Dutch now. Right, 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 right. right, right. So, I, Keith, since I hear you're the expert of that, can we hear some Dutch? Uh, no. <laughs> Trade secret. Yeah. Trade secret. I, I would love yeah, to share with you. Tell you what, if you want to hear them speak Dutch, you got to subscribe to the Landcast. That's it. <laughs> That's, right, right. That's the only way. That's the, the only, only way, way to hear. It's the only way to hear Pennsylvania Dutch and, and in Lancaster County. Yeah, and especially in a podcast form, I imagine. I wonder podcasting in Dutch. That would be a interesting, probably a limited audience. Don't have electricity. That would be that would be totally totally difficult. Uh, but Lancast and uh, you guys have been around for quite a bit. Three years about a little over three years? Yeah, just over three years. Uh, we started in March of two thousand nine, so just a little after you guys did. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, very cool. Well, welcome guys. We're so glad to have you on the show and we're here to talk about all sorts of geek stuff tonight. Looking forward to it. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be awesome. Well, tonight, of course, we are rewinding Terminator One, the first movie. And um, but before we get into that, we want to let you know that our next movie is Total Recall. We'll be rewinding Total Recall, and um, that was requested. I think Jim Arrowhead's going to be in. Kalos will be with us. Oh, very good. So uh, for that one, so he's one of our listeners that chimes in every so often. You'll hear him mentioned actually in this show as well. And. Uh, so we're bringing some listeners in to do that. And I think after that, J.P. Harvey's for Logan's Run. Oh, so we have those that okay. are coming up. So cool. I don't know if I've ever watched Logan's Run. Oh, okay. I've, I've seen it a few times. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I Total Recall, I've seen a few times. Mm -hmm. But Arnie, another good Arnie movie. So <laughs> we're, we're just going to rewind all of Arnold's far as <laughs> sci-fi movies. And that'll keep us going for a good year and a half. And we'll be good. <laughs> so, um, but we want to thank especially Mike Crate and Soren Ager who have helped make this show possible. I'd like to thank you guys for all your love and support. And if you want to help make this show possible, you can just go to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast at Mother, excuse me, Sci-Fi Diner Podcast.com and uh, leave a little uh, love in our tip jar and we will uh, mention you in there. So thanks a lot, guys, for doing that. So Terminator. Terminator. So you you guys rewatch it. Did you guys, Keith, David, did you guys rewatch it before, or did you guys just? Are you guys just relying on memory? Uh, I watched a little over half of the movie. 
Very good. So. While at work. Yeah. While well, yes, <laughs> yes, at work. Yeah. <laughs> that was today. <laughs> uh, I I, uh, I found out we were doing what movie we were rewinding on. The that is, years, that so. is not true. I told him that is not true. <laughs> uh, no, no. No, I, I, did, I did not get a chance yeah. to, That's all right. to rewatch it. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of good memorable moments I'm sure oh, yes. draw on. So, yeah. I hadn't watched it in years. So, but, and it was, it was kind of slow moving going through it again, wasn't it, Miles? By today's standards, yeah, probably a lot of folks might think this is not moving fast enough. Yeah. I mean, I was okay with it, but I mean. Yeah, it was fine. It was fine. I was like, hey, yeah. I mean, so. it's, um, I guess the reveal of, you know, if, if you're not familiar with the story, the reveal of, you know, the Terminator's true nature, it, you know, comes, takes a long time to get there. It does. It does. But I tell you what, we aren't going to spoil anything. If you haven't watched Terminator by now. Um, it's been 25 years yeah. or something like that. <laughs> we will spoil. We are deserve not, to have it spoiled. Yeah, <laughs> not spoiler free on mm-hmm. this show. Well, before we get into Terminator and talking about first impressions, I wanted to give a little bit of background to how this movie did when it hit studio, when it hit the uh, guest theaters. So movie came out, release date was October 26th. So right, right before Halloween, it, it debuted in 1984. So I was like four years old, and my parents would have never let me see this in theaters. Did you see it in theaters, Miles? Oh, heck no. <laughs> heck no. Did, did any of you guys see it in theaters? When no. no, I was Mine two. Was on- <laughs> you were two? Well, yeah, that probably a bit young. Right? <laughs> I, I saw it on this uh, this medium called VHS. Right, when right. I watched it, yeah. yeah right, right. That's the first time I saw it there, too. Yeah. VHS. Is that something new, Keith? <laughs> yes, it, it, it is. It's great. It's great. The, I don't know why a, we ever went away. It was a step down from Laserdisc. <laughs> step down. So I did not see this one Laserdisc. But it, Orion Pictures put it out, and they made – they had a production budget of $6.4 million. Incredibly small budget. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And domestic gross – they didn't do – oh, yeah, they do – they were worldwide. But domestic gross was thirty eight. $38 million, and it made a total of $80 million. So they made their money back in that movie, um, yeah. which is why we had Terminator 2, 3, and 4 Sure, you know, in the franchise. Although, didn't it switch movie house like movie houses for number four? That's a good question. I know that they had some – I know there was talk about it. But uh, it should be no, – I mean, uh, fans of the Terminator franchise know that uh, James Cameron only you know directed the first two and then went right. to different people in the last two. Which is why you see some of the reoccurring characters that we saw from uh, Aliens when, mm-hmm. we, when we rewound that. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it won numerous awards. 1985 won Best Makeup, Best Science Fiction Film, Best Writing by James Cameron. That's what Saturn Awards. And um, was nominated for Best Actor and Best Actress, Best Director, and Best Music. These are all Saturn Awards, I believe. And then uh, won a few other awards as well, but none of the uh, big awards, no mm-hmm. Academies or anything. But that's, so that's a little bit of the stats for uh, how this movie uh, transpired in its time. So it was kind of revolutionary oh, the yeah. first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so why don't we go ahead and just give uh, first impressions or thoughts uh, in rewatching it? And I know you didn't rewatch it, Keith, but I'll any, pretend any, I did. You'll pretend, we'll pretend you did. I remember. But, I have a good memory. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, so uh, anyone want to go first? Do you want to go first? Sure. Sure. So. When I sat down to watch this, the first thing that I thought of was, whoa, this music. <laughs> the, the opening credits, I was like, ah, this is, I'm getting pumped. Like, I rec- you know, the theme is so iconic. And I was just like, ah, oh, man, this is great. But uh, a couple couple minutes later, we're running around uh, with the guy from the future. I can't even remember his name. Uh, not the Terminator, the other guy. The other guy. Cal Reese. Cal Reese, yeah. Yeah. And uh, there's, this, there's this music. 
and it's just somebody gave a kid like a, a Kmart keyboard, and he's just like, <laughs> 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 like, like like a Casio machine, right? Yeah, <laughs> I was like who scored them? <laughs> but uh, other than me, that, actually. it was yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> great job yeah, for the iPod. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> But um, the pacing stood out most. I, I I like a lot of science fiction movies, and I like to try and get my friends to like a lot of science fiction movies, although they hate that. But if things aren't explained for them in the first, like, 10 to 15 minutes, they either lose interest or even if it's explained later, like, they still have an incredibly hard time following the story. Mm. Um, actually, I think I read something from um, the Sci-Fi Channel about their Saturday Saturday like movies that if you don't see in the first 15 minutes if you don't see the creature and some sort of explanation like people won't watch the film and that's like part of their formula so I'm watching this and I'm like what were the trailers like for this movie because I'm now 45 minutes in and I do not know what's going on like well, and, and how classic Cameron is that? I mean, we 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 be around the aliens and you yes. do not see the aliens in those movies till like an hour in. An hour and a half in is when you see the first alien, and it's all alluded to, hinted, shadows, but nothing. Mm-hmm. You don't see anything concrete, and I, I think that's a Cameron trait. That could be. So I mean, what was the abyss like? I forget what the abyss was. Like. I haven't seen so, the abyss. In, it's been a that's really time. slow. <laughs> it is. I remember you, you don't see, you don't see till the very end. Yeah, till the very end there, and it's kind of a maybe a Cameron trait to some some degree. Mm-hmm. What, what were the trailers like back then? Because. Didn't they explain a lot more story in the trailers in the 80s? In this city, under cover of darkness, someone is stalking Sarah Connor. Sarah Connor? Yes. Sarah Connor, 35, brutally shot to death in her home. You're dead, honey. What's this? Dead girl, too. Sarah Louise Connor. Is this right? Of course, we'll have more on this late-breaking story as it comes in. She doesn't know why, but it's her he's after. Did you reach the next girl yet? No, I keep getting answers. Pick up if you're there. I'm really scared. I think that there's somebody after me. And no one can help her except for one man. I'm Reese. It's assigned to protect you. You've been targeted for termination. This isn't true. How could that man just get up after you did? It's not a man. Machine. Terminator. Underneath it's a hyperalloy combat chest. Microprocessor controlled. Fully armored. Very tough. But outside it's living human tissue. They cannot make things like that yet. Not yet. Not for about 40 years. Are you saying it's from the future? They came to fight. For the one woman who could save their future. And this uh, computer thinks it can win by uh, killing the mother of its enemy. One came to protect her. I came across time for you, Sarah. The other to kill her. Arnold Schwarzenegger is The Terminator. Inhuman. 
relentless. Unstoppable. He has only one purpose. Murder. Can you stop it? I don't know. And now, Sarah Connor's world has become a battlefield. With her at ground zero. And the Terminator closing in. An adventure unlike anything you've ever seen before. Arnold Schwarzenegger is the Terminator. You know, I feel like maybe that would have gotten people into the theater, because otherwise, why would anyone? I mean, <clears throat> well, I don't. Uh, unless Arnold Schwarzenegger was a meme that drew people in. Oh, that's way. true. Yeah, um, I don't know where he, I don't know where he was in his career at that point. He was. This was just after the Conan movies, and so I mean, he had some fame by then. But I think this one really launched his career. Uh, I mean, um, we'll get into this. I mean, we all have fun about talking about uh, Schwarzenegger's uh, acting abilities. But uh, <laughs> um, but I, I thought this film was a good fit for him. Um, this played to his strengths. Yeah, I thought, he was, I thought he was very believable as, as a Terminator. Well, not very many speaking lines. He had 18 speaking lines in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not very many. Surprisingly, I thought that was more than I remembered. <laughs> Rewatching it, I was like... He's talking a lot more than I thought he would. <laughs> <laughs> we know he gives a lot of exposition as to why he needs to kill people. So, you know, you know, you know. But, Miles, how about you? Uh, anything that stood out in this rewatch as you began as you began to watch and say, you know what, I'm watching this for Saturday Wine. What stood out? It was a fun romp through memory lane as far as uh, I was a child of the 70s, spent my formative teenage years in the 80s, and so... To, this was, like I said, a fun trip down memory lane as far as some of the music, some of the, uh, you know, the styles with the uh, the clothing and the hair and everything. Um, so I, that was that was particularly fun. You were talking about the uh, the Kmart keyboard. I mean, um, that sort of synth was was popular back then, um, and I, I think it was probably also a budgetary thing. I don't know if they could have afforded, you know, to, to have a a full on orchestra for for their score. Um, so not, so, not for uh, seven million dollars. No, no. Um, so, but watching it again, I, I, like, I, like I said earlier, I think this this movie was really played to Schwarzenegger's strengths as far as uh, what he could do. I mean, he's this big, imposing figure, larger than life, and um, he showed no emotion when he was, you know, killing people and uh, or getting shot or whatever. Um, not even frustration. He was just, he played the, you know, the, the robot, the machine underneath the skin really well. I thought, um, also what I thought of was, I mean, back in the early mid eighties, we still had the red scare. And so it played, you know, just remembering that we were all scared of nuclear war and everything like that. So it brought back memories of that too. Oh yeah. Especially the future scenes, the future scenes. Yeah. There was, you know, the post-apocalyptic, uh, nuclear Holocaust. I mean, that was, um, um, so yeah, just lot lot of lot of memories, you know, watching that. Yeah, I think for me, uh, one of the things that really stood out for me in this rewatch was uh, how much. And this is not necessarily a bad thing, but we get our understanding most of what the Terminator and the future and why this is even going on through Kyle Reese when he's mm-hmm. trying to explain it to Linda Hamilton's character. Mm-hmm. I forget her name. What's the, what's, the girl, what's the girl's name in the movie? Sarah Connor. Sarah, thank you. I should know that. Sarah Connor, right? Um, and 
And so we get that, mm-hmm. um, but we get, but there's a lot of exposition and at times it felt a bit heavy, but then, but, but there was, um, we were talking about David, David, you were talking about the pacing of it. And I think especially the second half, the pacing's pretty consistent. It picks up in the action, them being chased from the, uh, we'll talk, I mean, some about memorable scenes, but you get into like the cop, the cop house, you get into the chase, the highway chase, you get into the club scene, and these are some iconic scenes that really stuck out. St- stuck out as far as action goes, mm-hmm. and so things that I really appreciated. Mm-hmm. I w- and I wouldn't say that the acting ability was what I appreciated in this movie. Well, but that, but there was some good action, some memorable, and some sci-fi defining moments that really established, I think, the rest of the franchise, and obviously influenced uh, the Sarah Connor Chronicles. Oh, sure, and. I think for low budget sci-fi movie, I think they did a pretty good job. This is this is before CGI. Um, this is you know you, you could, it's on a shoestring budget, but they but what, what they do a good job is let you use your imagination to fill in the blanks. Uh, really, the only CGI is the uh, robot after his skin blown off. That's and that's that's classic old stop motion. Uh, that's been used. That's old technology that they've yeah. been using that for. And you can tell. Oh yeah, like, it's it's bit. yeah, uh, but it's. I don't know if it's scary now, but I remember back in the day. I mean, it looked, you know, he looked, the robot looked scary, you know. Yeah, because you think he's dead and then he's not. And, right. You know, he's keep stringing you along. Uh, how about you, Keith? Uh, impressions in this movie as you remember it? I do. I remember the uh, Schwarzenegger being, this is the first movie that I saw, because, you know, I was a fan of the Conan movies, you know, and the Schwarzenegger's acting ability can be parlayed back and forth here with that. But, but, uh, um, <laughs> This is the first movie where now Schwarzenegger is not the hero; he's the he's the villain in this movie. Um, uh, I watched I watched this movie after I had seen several other movies that came out afterward, like Total Recall and, and uh, mm-hmm. um, actually Terminator Two. I saw that first, and then I saw. Yeah, he's the hero, so, and he's the hero in that <laughs> one. So, so this one, when I watched it, it was watching it, and it's like everything was weird because it's like uh, he's he's the bad guy now, and and. Uh, you know, he was so unstoppable in the first, in the second movie, you know, it protecting, you know, now it's like, uh, and, and the little guy that is supposed to be the hero that gets sent back, that just seems so like inadequate to, right. <laughs> to go against. He does seem a bit wimpy. <laughs> Kyle Reese seem a bit wimpy to you? Well, he's half the size of, uh, of Schwarzenegger. So, um, you, you have to, um. He's going to have to, you know, it's, it's obviously not going to be a battle of brawn. It's going to be a battle of... You see, you need Khan in this movie to be protecting, you know, Sarah Connor. You don't need, <laughs> you, don't, you don't need like Kyle Reese here. No, no chest. No chest here. No, no. Um, well, which, you know, I, mean, I guess you, you probably pick up that. I mean, yeah, you do pick up that he is not the bad guy. But what's interesting in the movie is, you know, she thinks he's stalking her or, well, she's found out, you know, all these Sarah Connors are getting killed, and it's like, is this the guy that's doing it? And right, which actually is a good conflict point. Brings up some good tension between. Right. Yeah. I, I felt that he wasn't puny enough. I mean, at the point where he's explaining the future, he's like, I grew up starving, and, you know, like, there's nothing. Food, they can't, how are they growing food in that society? They don't really establish that, so there's some goop they're eating. Yeah, so he's like, he's <laughs> Might like. the Matrix, you know, when they, like, <laughs> protein. Yeah. He's, protein he's got, amino acids. He's got meat on him. I mean, I know it's mostly muscle, but he's still, like, pretty well beat for a guy who's quote-unquote starving. Well, they eat the people that don't make it. <laughs> well, that wasn't in my movie. <laughs> well, maybe for the mission they sounded them up. You know, it's like the you know 
Donner party. I just figured. That. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, don't, I mean, maybe back in the eighties, they wouldn't have said, "Hey, uh, can you lose, you know, thirty pounds before we start filming?" You know, just yeah. to, you know, for authenticity. I, I guess to their argument, they are fighting machines, and if they bring down a machine, have to move it. That takes some muscle, right? Yeah. right? That does. Mm-hmm. And there's dogs around. That you know, if the dog is old, you know, the, the uh, Terminator surfing dogs, yes. surfing dogs, they can cook them up and eat them. One of the things I noticed was that the, the bones in the future are so clean. And, it, and it's not that far in the future. Well, you know what? They're so clean because I think Keith is right. They just eat the flesh off. Yeah. Have you ever seen boiled bones? It's only supposed to be, what, like 40 yeah. years or something? Did, right? did, you, did you ever watch TV show Bones? Those bones are clean. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know if the radiation kind of, you know, it's supposedly, there's a post-nuclear. I think we're trying to make excuses for Cameron. Well, yes. Yeah, so <laughs> we, we have to remember that, you know, yeah. his budget was... You know what it was. I mean, talk about an iconic scene. The tank treads kind of like, you know, crushing, crushing those bones. Oh, yeah. yeah, it's just kind of an iconic I, scene there. I do have to, like, the, the end of the movie, you know, when it, when it um, the whole thing when it comes out and the CGI that is in it, obviously they must have had a bigger budget for Terminator 2. Um, because, like, I, I just remember because having seen Terminator 2 first and then come back to this one, it was, it was a little, I was kind of like, eh, it's like, you know. They mastered okay. what liquid metal in number two. So, yeah, so, yeah. Uh, I mean, it, and I'm sure that if I went back and actually watched Terminator Two now, that I, I would think the CG in that was kind of like eh, compared yeah. to the stuff that you know is in today. But, but um, how many years? Do you know? I, I don't know this. How many years transpired? I think two was in the nineties. Yeah, two came out in ninety one. Yeah. So, so we are we're a good uh, seven years future, and so yeah. technology, computer advancements. Mm-hmm. They, they they had the craze; they were running to create computers. Right? Music, yeah. music, music. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. music a bit better in number two. Yeah. Well, we, were, we were we were talking to Aaron. David said that the music was so, and I was like, well, you know, it was in the eighties that it was made. Right, that right, was kind right. of like was flock of seagulls. Come right. on, <laughs> that was kind of the music that was. That was especially for sci-fi movies. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was like especially low-budget sci-fi movies. That was kind of the music that was that that was in them. You know, a lot of them. And then the uh, uh, '90s. You know, you've got the Guns N' Roses theme song. That's just like awesome. was a hit. It was a hit <laughs> song, and every you know that, that was all through the movie. What was it? So, what was the theme song for Number uh, Two? It was it was Guns N' Roses. I can't remember the name of the song, I but know if you knew, no. Oh, it's, um, I know that the club scene, when they're dancing in club scene, that music's just got awful. Right? <laughs> I'm ashamed to admit I'm an 80s child when I listen to that. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I think I think 2 might have been, at the time, the most expensive movie ever made. Yeah. Wow. I think they probably spent close to $100 million back then to make it. Yeah. We can, we can uh, look that up at IMDb, probably. Mm-hmm. But we won't. But we'll, we'll, maybe we'll review Terminator 2. <laughs> All right, right. Is that our next one? No, that's like a couple down the pipe. Yeah. Well, very good. Uh, well, let's so let's talk about. Um, I guess let's talk about some memorable scenes, and then we'll get into some maybe memorable characters, and maybe any other any other uh, any other moments that that stick out. So, uh, Keith, since we ended with you, why don't we start with you here? What was a memorable scene as you look at Terminator One? A scene that sticks out after all this time. That- One that I remember, obviously, uh, the whole the whole scene in the police station. Um, Good night. Good night. I'm a friend of Sarah Connor. I was told that she's here. Could I see her, please? No. Can't 
can't see her. She's making a statement. Where is she? Look, it may take a while. You want to wait? There's a bench over there. I'll be back.
obvious, the iconic "I'll be back," you know, right. scene. Uh, you know, they but, drive the car. Through. Yeah, they <laughs> drive the car through. But then just the whole scene of the these these cops that are trying to like take this guy down, and and he's just walking through. Uh, just mock, just, just you know. Down. I mean, I, I don't know. You, you, after the first twenty rounds go in him, and he just kind of like doesn't flinch at it. Even you know, it's just kind of like, wow, uh, this is crazy. <laughs> it's like, wow, they're screwed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just, I that that scene to me was was the scariest scene of the whole whole movie. Of just you know putting myself in that place of being you know one of these guys that are sworn to protect and, and that by duty they have to stay there and, and, right. and fight this guy and, and just like imagine being with knowing that nothing I'm doing is hurting this guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Uh, you know, that's, that's a, that was a pretty memorable, memorable scene. For me. I think a subtle part of that scene is a little bit earlier in that scene when they're interviewing Kyle Reese and the psychologist is there saying, man, this guy's a loon. But it, everything he's telling you, you know by that point he's dead on and these guys have no clue what's coming their way. Mm-hmm. It's kind of this anticipation to the fact that he's going to show up at the station. And, yeah, and the he, hell's going to break loose. And, the, you know, Paul Winfield's character is saying to uh, Sarah Connor, <laughs> saying, listen, you're, you're in the safest place in the world. You're in a police station with all these cops. You know, you're going you know to- it's bad when they say that. <laughs> I, I should have picked up on that right away. That you know that, that, that was going to happen, but you know, you, you don't the first time you see it. You know, you no. and you're uh, buying it. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, this is the safest place to be, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Targets painted on their shelf. <laughs> uh, how about for you, David? A, a scene that really stood out to you? Okay, so when I started to watch the first thing that I thought was like, oh man, this is this movie was the was the tread crushing the skulls. And I was like, well, I really remember that. But what really I have to say now is my most iconic memory is when he says, come with me if you want to stay alive. Kyle Reese says that. I don't like I was I was kind of doing something at the same time. And he said that line. And like a little part of me was like, yes, action. And I I was like, wait, what did I just get excited about? Like This is this little line. So that's it for me, for sure. That's in the uh, the first time that, that he kept Sarah Connor. Is that in the club? In, in the club, yeah. Mm-hmm. So Arnold, That's right. Arnold comes in and he starts. Sh- he shoots Arnold, and so Arnold flies away and he just runs up and he's like, "Come with me if you want, uh, want to stay alive." Right. That is that that is an and that's an iconic line. Yeah. About, an iconic line. Isn't there a similar line in the next movie? 
Probably. They sure. reuse they a reuse. bunch of... <laughs> you know, yeah. the, the iconic, like, I'll be back. And, mm-hmm. and that happens at the police station and that. Uh, Miles, how about for you? Uh, give me a moment that stood out for you this time in the rewind. Um, I mean, the police station is an obvious one, but one is uh, after they're run, they're you know after the club scene, after they're run out, they get apprehended by the cops. I mean, the, Arnold the Terminator is gone, but then he crawl out. You see, you know, his eyebrows burnt off. You know, a lot of his hair is burnt off. He looks like crap. He goes to his hotel room, and then. Um, this is where we get the idea of uh, what what he is. Uh, he gets you know one of those modeling knives or whatever. Um, cuts open the skin on his wrist and starts trying to repair himself. And then, you know, his, his one eye is, is shot to hell. And so what he, you know, he just, you know, you see his eyeball just drop in the, or, or in the, in the sink and he does surgery on himself just to, um, because that part is just, you know, irreparable. So, but then, but you get to see his mechanical eye. You, you get to see what he is at that point in time. Not, not completely, but you get to see. I couldn't the, watch it see yeah, it's, it's, when, he, when he's digging around his arm like with a knife, he's like, "Ooh, yeah!" And like, mm-hmm. his eyeball, and I'm like, "Okay." <laughs> looking down as I'm on the treadmill, looking down. As I'm on the treadmill. <laughs> I mean, when, when you look at that, you know, that pup, you know, you know, that puppet of him, at least from you know the chest up. I mean, it really looks fake now. I mean, it looks like you know what it is, just this robotic puppet. But I mean, but at the time, that was awesome. Yeah, yeah so I mean, they it, it, it probably spent a lot of their budget went to you know constructing that thing. I think for me, one of the memorable scenes in the movie has to be the highway chase scene mm-hmm. at the end with the tractor trailer. Oh yeah, when they, when they do that whole thing. Come on! Get up! Help me! Help! Come on! Get up! 
and you see it, and then the chase continues into the warehouse. That sequence is has to be one of the best sequences in in sci-fi. Mm-hmm. You know, in all time. You know, maybe the Matrix chase scene on the highway was a little bit better. In the second, in the second Matrix, movie? yeah, second Matrix movie like that, as far as highway mm-hmm. chase scene. But this was a good highway chase. Scene, oh, it was, especially for the time. Mm-hmm. You have the music picking up a little bit, and mm-hmm. you have, uh, you know, him being drugged under the uh, under the tractor trailer. Mm-hmm. And- oh, what I thought was cool was the one guy checks to see if he's all right, and he gets pushed away, and then he gets into the truck, and the kid sees him, and he. He sees Arnold's all a mess. He's, you know, the, the steel through his skin and Arnold's like, get out. And that, you know, he just, okay, you know, <laughs> no argument for me, buddy. I'm out. Yeah. Yeah. You want the truck? Here's the keys, you know? Yeah. 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 Well, very cool. I, any other scenes that kind of stick out before we move into some actors and stuff that maybe uh, stood out to us? I, one of the scenes, uh, when he first buys his guns, Fourth-gauge autoloader. That's Italian. You can go pump or auto. The 45 long slide with laser siding. It's a brand new. We just got them in. That's a good gun. You just touch the trigger, the beam comes on, and you put the red dot where you want the bullet to go. You can't miss. Anything else? Phased plasma rifle in the 40-watt range. Hey, just what you see, pal. The Uzi 9mm. You know your weapons, buddy. Any one of these is ideal for home defense. So, uh, which will it be? All. Let me close early today. There's a 15-day wait on handguns, but the rifles you can take right now. You can't do that. Wrong. You know, he's just naming off different guns and, and, uh, a B movie actor, very popular at the time, Dick Miller. He goes, "Oh, you know your, your weapons, pal." And he goes, "Something, something plasma rifle." And he goes, "Ah, eh, just whatever you see here." And, and <laughs> Ar- Arnold is loading a shotgun. He goes, "Oh, you can't do that." And and he's, "Yes, I can." And boom, he blows out. You so know, how are you going to pay for this? It's on you. You know, yeah. on the house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, how about for you guys? Any other scenes that kind of uh, stuck out to you? I'd have to agree with Miles. That was my second. That one there, like, yeah. yeah. Uh, that I think that's a isn't that a scene that they replay in which movie do they put that in again? The mm-hmm. the um the gun shop scene is it was it in the TV series they used the gun shop scene again? I don't recall. Yeah, I thought it was. I can't. Remember. I haven't seen the TV series. Yeah, oh, it's good. I've seen, I mean, I've seen clips of it, but not. Yeah, yeah so actually, like, like the scene, and it's in both movies. The 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 first two movies, the scene where he first comes in. You know, he's like butt naked and he comes in and he's like, I need your clothes. And you're, <laughs> you know, and you're, like he's scanning everybody and, and seeing that they're looking at I guess in the first one, they don't show the scanning part because they not as know much. A little there, bit. There's a little bit. There's a little bit towards middle yeah. and the end. I mean, by then you know what he is. But the CGI right. is much better in the second one. The second one. But in the second one, they show him walking into the bar and he's scanning everybody. So they do it in both yeah. movies, though. He, he picks a guy that fits his size and he's like, I need your clothes. And they all laugh at him, of course, and try to beat him up. And then right. He, what the hell? Not now, 
Day tomorrow. Nothing clean, right? <laughs> Nothing clean, right? Hey, I think this guy's a couple cans short of a six pack. You're close. Give them to me now. Fuck you, asshole. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, I think that, that kind of brings into the actors. I mean, classic in that scene is Bill Paxton. Yeah. Bill Paxton is one of his roles, and he's kind of reused by Cameron in, in mm-hmm. Aliens. Right. Probably one of the best actors in Aliens. Mm-hmm. Given a very minimal role here. Was this like early in his career? Paxton's yeah, career? That, was way, that was very early in his career. Yeah. What did Paxton done up that point? I'm not sure. I mean, was he in the Goonies? He wasn't in the I don't think no. I mean, the yeah, first thing I remember, he's, <laughs> he's super young. He is. He's pretty young. He's, he's probably in his early twenties in this movie. I mean, uh, that's the first thing I recall ever seeing. Well, no, Aliens was the first thing I saw him in. I mean, I, Aliens I saw in the movie. Well, a- and Aliens was prior to this. No, Aliens, Aliens was after. Aliens was after. So. Yeah, Alien or Alien? He was an Alien or Alien? He was an Alien. He was one of the okay. Marines. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Alien. Alien was before this because it was okay. late seventies, right? For yeah. Alien. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that wasn't Cameron that directed. The camera, Ridley Scott directed. I think, I think you're right, Ridley yeah. Scott. So the first one, so we have, but in the second Aliens, El- second Aliens was awesome. Did you mm-hmm. ever see Aliens? I saw Aliens, yeah. I saw yeah. Alien and Alien. Yeah, very good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I actually got hooked and watched the entire franchise. I saw, well, yeah, I saw <laughs> I Aliens 3. Or, yeah. Yeah. Then 4 yeah. and whatever. And I didn't see the, the one with, uh, what's her name? Uh, Are you guys see Prometheus? I am. What's the... In the one, the Aliens movie, the, um, can't remember any Mr. Gurney Weaver? No, no, the other one. Winona Ryder? The later one. Winona Ryder. Winona Ryder. Oh, yes. I didn't see that one. Yes, I did. I saw that one. That was pretty yeah. good. That was good. That was, you know, you know which one? Number, th- um, number three when they're at the detention center. Yeah. That nah, didn't do much for me. Oh, really? See, but I, like, but the, I like but, that one a lot. But the other one when they're on the ship and they're rebreeding these hybrid aliens, that was kind of good. Mm-hmm. Did, you, did you see the, did you then watch the Alien vs. Predator movies? Or? I haven't. How are they? Um, 
Things happen. They're alien. <laughs> They're alien. Not given a resounding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, no complaud to that one. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, the mythos is interesting. Yeah. Like I think the most exciting part of those movies is seeing the alien bred out of a predator who has the double jaw mm-hmm. like thing, like the predator does. Like, that's cool, but mm-hmm. that's about all. <laughs> I think the other actor that stands out to me is, of course, Lance Henriksen. You know, he play, yeah, play, he's, he's the guy that ends up being yeah. the robot in the second Aliens movie, and then in this movie, he's the what? He's a te- uh, he's a cop detective. Yeah, a cop detective, and mm-hmm. of course, it's blown away. And so, but I, like I, everyone I, does in the cop scene. But, <laughs> but I, I liked him him and Paul Winfield's characters in that. They Probably had, the most developed cops. They had, they had some good banter in there. Yeah, cops don't really do much in this film except get shot. They're just cannon fodder. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty much it. Um, I was thinking too, uh, some of the other things, and we are, these are moments like the phone booth. You never see a phone booth these days. Anymore. Yeah. You, know, you saw this, like they go to this phone booth and they mm-hmm. dial it. And so that's kind of like people from this, like growing up in this generation are going to miss that entire. Hey, I just need to just use a cell phone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Quick, pull out the, the big brick of a cell phone. Uh, they probably weren't even around in that, that early in the 80s. Uh, I think they they had, they had something, but they were not. I mean, you I had to, the, I think it was the box, the the suitcase phone or whatever. The, right. You you had you had to have some bucks to have those. Yeah. yeah. Payphones yeah. are a big plot point in this movie. I mean, yeah. Terminator uses phone books. He's hitting up the payphone like every time. He's like, I need to do something. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's like going scanning down through the names, the Sarah Connor names, yeah. yep. for phone books, and you wouldn't be doing that today at the movies. No. It'd be a different, whole different ball game. Mm-hmm. So. I did like the transition. I thought about when, when Reese gets into the car and they transition from the crane back into the future and then mm-hmm. back into the car again. That was a smooth I, transition. That was a really nice transition. Yeah, right. For that, mm-hmm. for that time. It, it just, I just wrote it down as my nose thing. Like, ooh, that's kind of a uh, cool thing. It was good camera work there, yeah. yeah. But I, too, mentioned the music in the police station, the electronic music <laughs> during the hunt. Whoops. Uh, what? Uh, so we mentioned some quotes. Were there any other quotes that stood out to you guys? Um, it, they did a lot of foreshadowing when 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 Sarah Connor was at work at the waitress job she was at, and you know you see on the news this, this other Sarah Connor got killed. Got killed. Um, oh, before that, I think it was she's just having the day from hell with work. I mean, with just customers and. One kid puts ice cream in her one pocket, and right. and one of her coworkers says, "Think you know something to this effect." Goes, "Don't worry, honey. In another hundred years, nobody's going to care." You know? Oh yeah, and a great line as far as you know, <laughs> indicating the future, right? Right. Um, um, so that, that 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 was some good foreshadowing there. Uh, my favorite, my one of the thoughts I had running, and this isn't really a quote, but I thought, you know, they're running for their life. Mm-hmm. You know, just it's absolutely like you know running, and it's like. I think running for my life. Oh, what the hell? Let's make love. You know, <laughs> yeah. like uh, under the bridge, right? They're running from the Terminator, and mm-hmm. then of course, without that, you wouldn't have John Connor, John Connor. John Connor come out of it. But you know, it was kind of funny, like in that Doesn't moment. That just like twist your mind, like he's sending my good friend or my uh, back in time, who actually ends up becoming my father, <laughs> right? Which in the, do we ever establish that he knows that? I think that um, John Connor one. has to know that he in, does because he has a picture. They show him. With the picture. Falling in the picture. Well, I guess it could be just so that he knows who he's going back to find. But but he they show in the future he falls, like when the Terminator attacks and he falls. And 
right. burning, like it's a picture of her burning, right. which ends up in Terminator 2 as well. Like they show that picture being taken then at the end of. They show it at the end of Terminator, Terminator 1. Terminator 1, yeah. I guess, yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, um, so I, I think that's kind of at the end. I don't know if he knows that he's John Connor's father, but. You mean Kyle doesn't know he is? Yeah, I don't know if he knows he's, he's his father. Yeah. And I don't know if John. Connor knows that he's I his think, father. Either. I think John does. John might. He has the tapes, and I can't imagine him not. In the tie-in novel, uh, in both one and two, I mean, in the tie-in novels, um, Connor Connor is aware that Reese is his father, and that's why he sends he him, him back because to you know <laughs> obvious reasons. So he's he's born. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Very, very true. You need that. You and that, that picture you were talking about, that we actually do see that picture in, in Terminator 2. Um, there's a scene with uh, young John Connor and his one friend, and he had that picture with him. Yeah, I thought yeah. so. Yeah. I love, I love the – were you guys going to say something? I was going to say another line. But Go ahead. Go ahead. But another, another portion of lines that, that I thought was, was great was in the, when he first picks up Sarah and they're driving uh, from away from Arnold and they're just like having this car chase and stuff. He takes the time to like explain all the stuff that we have no idea what was going on until this point, but just mm-hmm. the terminology he used had me like, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, you know, today's sci-fi standard, there'd be bigger words and, right. and more elaborate, you know, an explanation, but it was viable still. At, the back at the time, yeah. you, you bought it. Mm-hmm. You bought it. I like the, what is Sarah's line at the end? I don't know if I, you know, you're terminated. Yeah, <laughs> the F bomb and lets it loose there when he when he slams down the thing in the, in the hydraulic press. Yeah. yeah, down there it was very good line and mm-hmm. a great line. I think another iconic line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really, really cool. And that scene, that scene when they grab her leg, that just builds the anticipation there in the factory. Well, it, what's great about that is you know you think a couple times you think you kill this thing when the truck explodes. You see him trying to get out of the fire, and he, you know, falls down. You think, you know, if he, if this is the first time you ever saw this movie, you think, okay, we finally destroyed him, and they're having a little celebratory moment, and he rises out of the fire, and then you realize, oh crap, um, and then, uh, I mean, Reese is successful in blowing half of him up, and you think, oh yeah, it's, it's a couple funny. times you think you actually killed this guy and killed, you know, destroy this this Terminator, and. Even with you know half its body destroyed, it could still crawl and get to you. Yeah, you can't kill the darn thing. I mean, you, you need a hydraulic press to you know crush his skull. So it was uh, just just very brilliant. I mean, as far as letting you think, it really does keep you on the edge of your seat. Oh yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, go ahead. Can we take a minute to talk about the time travel here? I mean, these robots are incredibly intelligent, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously, they took over the world, but it's, don't they understand time. that they can't? Go back in time to stop something from happening. If that's the reason that they go back in time, I mean, it'll it'll work. I mean, of course, that's overarching throughout the series. You get the gist of you know John Connor can't stop Skynet from from being created. It's just the same way that the Terminator can't. They can't go back and kill him because then they wouldn't have gone back in time like to kill him. So. Well yeah, it's a, it's a grandfather paradox, right? Yeah. Is that what they call it? The idea that I can't go back and kill my grandfather because if I do that, uh my parents would never be born, therefore I can't go back and kill him, therefore he exists and therefore yeah. I can go back. You know, it's a, that circ- mm-hmm. a circular reasoning which is why but we wouldn't have a story if it weren't. For, if it weren't yeah, for that. Well, I mean, I I know they acknowledge it later on uh, in the in the third one, 
specifically, they, it's, you know, that's the whole, I mean, that's the whole, you didn't see the third one, right? No. So, you, yeah, can right. you can run it for me. I'm okay, okay. with that. It, yeah. Well, basically, the third one, is another Terminator, come, another, another female Terminator comes back, and she's, like, bigger and badder. And we sexier. And sexier, yes. <laughs> and uh, we're getting more and more towards, like, the global network. And it's not Sky, it's not. It's like they stopped Skynet, I think, in the second one. In, in the second, yeah, the second one they destroyed uh, Cyber, the whole Cyberdyne lab, and, yeah, you know, the whole company, and know. that's where it was supposed to originate from. But mm-hmm. instead, it originates somewhere the Air, else. The Air Force builds it, or something. yeah, and they're they're trying to like, well, okay, if as long as I don't ever go into hiding, as long as you know, as long as I don't do these things, it'll trigger the time this in the timeline, and then they their act of not of trying not to do that is. What triggers it? And then right. at the end, John Connor finds himself in this bunker by accident that, like, could it's like one of those, you know, nuclear hideout bunkers where he can live there, in de- you know, for many years, and it's him and this girl, and they, he, they're locked in this new protection, and when he sits down to the radio and the Holocaust is happening, like, you know, it's, it's starting. Mm-hmm. Right. So, and he, he just realizes, like, it was all unavoidable. Well, they play with that in the Sarah Connor Chronicles, too, the fact that they just can't stop Skynet. Yeah. What they do. It, it seemed, it, all, all they could do is postpone it. Yeah. When you talk about the, the grandfather paradox, even in the second film they address, uh, when they destroy the first Terminator, there's enough of it to salvage that this this gives Cyberdyne you know, a leap in the technology race, and they, they use the what's left to make computer advances, and, and that – also pushes you know Skynet from for, you know from from being birthed. I mean it's so not only. I mean I mean you, you could get a headache just trying to think about you know all the time travel paradoxes and whether it works or not. But um, so even you know even trying to kill John Con- even if you kill John Connor, the Terminator still it still needs to go to the past for you know Skynet to. Um, to become right, so it needs to be there, but it's just you can't go back and change it. But the reasons that they go back it seems to be faulty here. Yeah, right? I mean, it, it it all it all works out, and you know, they flush it out in later movies, and it makes sense. But you, my my theory is that my 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 problem isn't with the movies themselves as much as Skynet specifically being as intelligent as it is, not realizing this right, right. you know chain of events. Well, you it know, could be. In, go ahead. Well, it could be. I mean. They say in the first that, that the resistance won. The human resistance did win. So maybe it was Skynet's last desperate attempt to fight the humans is, you know, you know is, is going back in time. Um, you're right. It is it is uber smart. But, um, well, you know, today if they did the whole time travel thing, they'd just split into a parallel universe. Yeah. <laughs> go, back, go back in time like, well, okay, that changes this, this mm-hmm. event. And we have infinite possibilities. And so it's a little bit different in time travel theory. It's mm-hmm. kind of changed. Yeah. The Star fact Trek. that you can't do this. <laughs> but yeah, or I'm thinking Fringe especially is probably one of the most – or Sliders even, the idea of infinite possibilities if you go back into the classic mm-hmm. classic uh, time travel show or parallel universe show. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Um, I did like at the end when they talk about the, that line, there's a storm coming. Yes. Kind of, it's, it's kind of this iconic line that there's going to be a sequel. It seems to suggest that maybe. Mm-hmm. Or, um, and they're on that Termax road or whatever it is at the end. when she's, That's where she gets the photo taken. And uh, you have those driving drums at the very end. Mm-hmm. Coming in. I know. Oh. 
way we were talking about the music. We dogged in the music a lot, but I love the drums at the very end. Oh, I do too. Well, they bring that back in in a second. Yeah, the, the theme is great too. I'm not, I'm not, di- I'm not ditching the theme. It's just the electronic music in between. Yeah, them. got it. <laughs> well, and they do, and they do in the movie. I saw, in the, at least the version I saw, they finally acknowledge works of Harlan Ellison. Mm-hmm. You remember oh, okay. the debacle, right? Right. Yeah, because uh, so James Cameron puts out this movie, right? And you know who Harlan Ellison is, guys? I do not. So he's a writer. He's a writer, right? Short story writer. He wrote the short story that Terminator is based on, except Terminator. So James Cameron got the story from someone else, didn't realize it, and it was a Harlan Ellison story. And, and if and, you upset Harlan Ellison, he'll yeah, sue he got, you. Yeah, he got sued. <laughs> so he is given an honorary credit at the very end, at least mm-hmm. in the version I saw. He tried to sue us once. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> he can sue me for everything and get paid for this podcast. Okay. <laughs> uh, so anything else as far as either the actors, scenes, lines, um, visuals that you want to talk about before we get into some trivia and then we'll get some listener feedback. I liked her, you know, what, what, you know, they tried to show Sarah Connor's normal life. I mean, you see her, she's a part-time student. She, she has a job, uh, her, her friend, her friend, Ginger and her boyfriend. I mean, her boyfriend. Um, yeah. I mean, uh, <laughs> I, I, don't, I mean, what, what, I mean, what, um, you, you know, Who I only knew from Top Gun. <laughs> Wait, was she or the boyfriend? The boyfriend. Yeah. Man, it's been a long time since I've seen Top Gun. Well, it's it funny. Wolfman. <laughs> the, the girl plays her friend. I mean, she didn't do. You know, that, that's probably her biggest claim is is that. But um, I thought, she, m- m- listeners, maybe if you were around back in the eighties, you remember this this show called the Twenty Minute Workout. You know, she's also she was also a fitness guru or something like that, and she was one of the girls in the Twenty Minute Workout. So how many of those tapes did you have, Miles? Uh, I'm, I'm, ple- I'm pleading the fifth pal. So. <laughs> the 20-minute workout. Um, but um, Miles broke into a sweat every time he saw him. So I'm just, <laughs> well, um, <laughs> but just that was just another thing that took me took me back. Is just I remember seeing her from something. Um, but uh, you know, her just just trying to show how her life was fairly normal up until that point. I mean, and then um, and then. It's just a huge juxtaposition we'll see. You know, I mean, we, we get a chance to re- review Terminator 2, where her life is in Terminator 2. Yeah. Any other uh, thoughts before we get into some trivia and some feedback? Well, I just want to say, even though I complained about the pacing, I think that it really worked. It, it does, especially the, especially at the end. It's, yeah. The second half of the movie just really has a nice, quick pacing. Yeah, and my, my, my notes on that were more from the perspective of, of mass media today. Oh, yeah. My personal. Matt, no doubt about it. If you look at Mass Media Today and the way this movie, even if you pace it compared to Terminator 4, it's a much slower movie. Mm-hmm. So, But, you know, we're talking early 80s here, and it worked. It had more dynamic, a lot of dynamic to it, though. Like from it, did. It, it, it did. It did. It did. It started so low with, with moving so slow that it gave it plenty of time yeah. to, to speed up. And, and they did it with very few special effects. Mm-hmm. You know, we had a couple of blow up scenes, but very little with Arnold Schwarzenegger. You know, a lot of just good hit and run action. I remember how effective it was. I mean, when in high school, I you know, a friend of mine, she said she had a bad dream. The Terminator was going after her. I mean, this was <laughs> back in the eighties, really after the movie came out. So it was that effective that you know, for some women, it gave them bad dreams. You know, about you know, having this uh, this creepy guy go after him with a gun or something. Yeah. Well, so some trivia here uh, that I'll share just about the movie is uh, the shots through the Terminator's vision we were talking about earlier uh, show a dump of a ROM assembler code for Apple II, 
the Apple II operation system. If you own an Apple II, which I don't, any of you own an Apple II here? <laughs> if you own an Apple II, you can enter at the basic prompt call dash one fifty five star P, and this will give you the Terminator view. Really? Yeah. So if you have an Apple II and you want to try that, you can let us know. The other code visible was written in COBOL. Okay. So, so you'll be uh, they have the L- have the Ellison thing, which he sued and won. It was settled outside of court. I guess mm-hmm. they said, oh, yeah, this is definitely a derivative of your work. We'll pay you. Mm-hmm. So, um, production was delayed for nine months due to Arnold Schwarzenegger's commitment in Conan, commitment to Conan, the destroyer. During this time, James Cameron wanted to be working, but didn't have time to do a whole other film, so he took on a writing assignment, which turned out to be Aliens. Oh. So he wrote Aliens oh. during that break. Um, near the beginning of the movie, when Sarah Connor, Linda Hamilton, receives a message on her answering machine, breaking her date, the voice of the machine is James Cameron. Uh, James Cameron's, it's James Cameron's, yeah. Okay. Years later, Hamilton and Cameron got married, and subsequently divorced. Yeah, that, that's, he often... Uh... Marries and divorces his co-stars. No, there you go. We're going to start his movies. Um, I didn't realize this, but Reese never turns on the headlights of any of the cars he drives. Yep. I remember that in the movie. Do you know why? Because he didn't didn't know how. Uh, (laughs) He says, being accustomed to driving without lights to avoid the the Hunter Killers. Oh, that makes sense. I figured it was was some kind of subterfuge. The front-wheel drive car that Reese drove out of the parking garage had the lights on, but had been turned off just before the end of the chase. Mm-hmm. So that's just being chased to run. So I didn't, I didn't catch it. I had to look it up on IMDb and figure this out. So, <laughs> to be honest here. Um, there was a Jeep that went across the back. No. Sorry. <laughs> the, the teaser trailer for this film, we were talking about the teaser trailer, um, was narrated by Peter Cullen. You know what he's known for? It's Optimus Prime, right? Optimus Prime. The yeah. voice of Optimus Prime. Oh, cool. So I did it. So that's what he's known for. I'm impressed. Oh, yeah. My cred just went up a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, Arnold Schwarzenegger's voice, as I said, is used exactly in 16 lines with 17 sentences spoken. The Terminator has two other lines on screen, one with the voice of the police officer overdubbed and one with the voice of Sarah's mother overdubbed. There are also many lines with the voice of Sarah's mother, and we learn that the Terminator is actually saying them, but we don't see it. So, that's his line. Anyone want to guess the body count in this movie? Oh, gosh. Uh, higher or lower than Total Recall? <laughs> See, I don't know what Total Recall is, so I can't do it. But let's take guess. Numbers. Let's head your bets here. Uh, I want to say 350. 350. Oh, boy. Much lower. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, I thought you shot it, but uh, it's, it's, I'm going to say uh, I'm gonna say 150. Okay. I don't think it's quite that high. I remember about 18 cops or so got killed, and so after that, I'll say about 30 people or so. You are the closest. It's 28 people, they said, actually were killed. And here's what they, they arrive at. They said, there were 30 cops in the police station, but in the 1991 sequel, we find the Terminator was only one of killing 17. Also killed uh, were Kyle Reese, one of the three punks, the second Brian Thompson, who was punched through the stomach. The punk leader, Bill Paxton, got knocked out. And, of course, the third, Brad Reardon, lost his clothes. The first two, Sarah Connors, the man and the woman in the tech noir, the gun store clerk, Sarah's mother, Sarah's friend, Ginger, and her boyfriend, and, of course, the Terminator himself. So those are the body. How they arrive at the 28. So what you're getting at is I was close. Yes, yes, really close. Minus a couple hundred. <laughs> <laughs> so, one other piece of, uh, of trivia before we get into some listener feedback. Uh, in filming of the final shot of the movie of Sarah Connor driving off in the distance was interrupted by a policeman questioning the crew if it had permission to shoot, which it didn't. Special effects supervisor Gene Warren Jr. lied, telling him that the production was his son's st- student film. 
<laughs> also, the actress playing Sarah Connor in the final shot isn't Linda Hamilton, but a double. Also known as Keith Slusser. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. So, uh, Miles, do you have the show notes up for this? Yes. Okay. Do you want to read the first listener feedback? This is from uh, J.P. Harvey. And he just, he gives a pretty, we can maybe split this up because he goes a little bit longer. We can stop along the way and then you guys can chime in too about what he's saying. So maybe read the first two. Sure. Go ahead. Scott Miles. Steph and I watched the Terminator for the upcoming Sci-Fi Rewind. We streamed it from Netflix and didn't have access to any other extras typically found on a DVD or Blu-ray. I think this was the theatrical release version of the movie. Here are our thoughts. I, JP, was in college and saw it in the movie theater when it came out. It, it captivated me. The story was cool, and the movie itself seemed amazing, even in spite of some of the special effects, which I'll point out later. It came to the screen in 84, directed by James Cameron. He also directed Aliens uh, two years later in 86, and uh, uh, Terminator back back for, for Aliens. Bill Paxton, the punk leader with, with blue hair in Terminator, Private Hudson in Aliens, uh, Michael Bain, Kyle Reese in Terminator, and Corporal Dwayne Hicks in Aliens, and Lance Hendrickson, Detective Howla. Vukovic in Terminator, Bishop in Aliens. It was awesome seeing uh, Hendrickson as a detective in this, in- investigating the bad behavior of a cyborg. In Aliens, he plays Bishop, the, the synthetic life form that uh, Ripley, uh, so we're Weaver, doesn't initially trust due to her previous experience with Ash, a, a synth who betrays the human crew on board the Nostromo in the 1979 film. See, I didn't even pick up on that. that he was playing opposite characters. He's hunting a cyborg in the one, the other one he is a cyborg. Right. That's kind of cool. Interesting du- juxtapositions. Yeah. A few of the lines that struck us as memorable. Come with me if you want to live, uh, Kyle to Sarah. Probably the second most iconic line from the movie, along with Arnold's, I'll be back. He's a machine, a Terminator, a Cyberdyne System Model 101, Kyle speaking to Sarah about the Terminator. Uh, awesome geek speak for the time. Uh, one of uh, my, JP's favorite lines, when the gas station tenant tells Sarah, a storm is coming. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Noteworthy. that. Oh, yeah. Noteworthy scenes, the Terminator steals a police car and mimics the cop vocally he took the car from. This harkens to Robert Patrick's character in Terminator 2 Judgment Day, where he plays a Terminator model T-1000, who appears as a cop. A very cool sci-fi element introduced here in the first film of an emerging franchise. A time travel is possible, and it generates the option for a number of futures. Uh, Related spoiler, uh, uh, Kyle is John John Connor's father as a result. Uh, the social commentary. If there's any social commentary found in this film, it would revolve around the, the three related themes. First, the risk of what appeared at the time of a sudden and rapidly advancement of technology, particularly the power of network computers. Second, the consequence of a global and especially, specifically nuclear war. But neither of these were particularly emphasized. And the movie wasn't really overt or, or political in its message. I expect both these items were more about the good sci-fi storytelling more than anything else. Third, and I believe deliberately written in a very strong and central female character. She was unwilling at first, but rises to the occasion through the prompting of circumstances and the encouragement of her co-star character, Kyle. Some may argue that he was more dominant of the two, but remember, he was sent to serve and protect her. She was a target for termination. He was just a soldier. Let's talk about the social commentary a little. Just a little we were talking a little bit before the show, Keith, about this whole idea of the robot uprising. Mm-hmm. And this being, we were talking about the technological advancement, which it may have kind of been warning about, like, how far do you go, right? Do you want to comment yeah. at all that? Comment? Yeah, I, I, I think um, it's funny because all through uh, uh, thinking back with technology uh, advancements and getting my new computer and the internet and uh, the whole thing becoming way bigger than anyone really imagined it becoming, you know, the, the how connected we are around the world. Right. 
you know, this movie was somewhat before that became, you know, uh, where the, uh, Almost the big, ahead of its time. Right. It was ahead of its time, but it, but it was, it's very close to what, you know, I mean, the internet really, really are connected very well. Um, and technology really has advanced, not to the point that our computers are necessarily wanting to take over the world at this point yet. But we can but, track, we can track but, people through but, it. Pretty but easily. you can track people very easily through it, uh, especially if you have a cell phone on you, or it's very easy to, to follow people. Uh, there's very little that you don't know about someone. You just do a Google search for someone's name, and you amazing amount of information you can find about that. Right. About that person. I Google searched myself, and I was just amazed at at like first 20 hits were all me. And I was like, it I probably, don't know. probably doesn't help that you're a podcast. <laughs> <You know. laughs> but, uh, um, you know, I just think the, the reality of this, it makes it a lot more, seem a lot more real, uh, that, that it, it is a possibility. If we, it makes you, uh, sort of scared of the possibility of creating artificial intelligence that, you know, it's, Hey, this, you know, way more likely than zombie apocalypse. I, I, <laughs> yeah, or vampire takeover, or vampire takeover, <laughs> yeah. way, way more, because you know, those things are more mythical, you know, in my opinion. But this is like I'm actually seeing evidence of this could happen. It's a possibility. It's um, kind of scary when they see science fiction kind of almost write itself and uh, you know become a reality in some degree. Mm-hmm. But I don't think we're quite there yet. Keith. No, but, no, we got it. Not in our lifetime. We're talking I'm, about, I mean, we're talking about... I'm getting about, my John Connors ready, though. Right, right. right. <laughs> your bunker and your... Mm-hmm. You know, I was, I was watching a commercial with my students today about these self-driving cars, these cars that can park themselves. Uh, you know, when they, when you get machines to begin to do this, you aren't terribly far off from, I don't know, the hunter killers. You know, you know I was watching uh, Nova the other day, um, and they have this one, I forget what they call uh, the robot, but it's... His facial features are all based off of um, science fiction writer. I uh, can't remember the guy's name, but Asimov. That might be got like white hair and beard and everything. But yeah. anyway, he's he's sitting there and they had this conversation with him, and he's connected to Google, so he's getting information off Google and so, so it's not like he's got a brain. He's got like the entire internet is his brain kind of thing, and and the That's guy's just scary. having a conversation <laughs> with him, and he's saying he asks the robot, he asks this thing his question, he goes he goes. Are you alive, or are you thinking, or are you just programmed to answer? And the robot kind of sits back and like looks up and sort of looks like it's thinking, and then it goes, "Are we not all programmed to a certain point?" You know, and, 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 and I was just like, "Wow, that's yeah." And, 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 and how true that is. <laughs> and I, I, you know, when I saw that, I was like, "Wow, that's that's pretty deep. That's pretty. Uh, that's pretty crazy." You know, uh, I mean, it's a, still a far stones throw from uh you know a robot that's going around killing people and right, think for itself right. but still you know technology gets smaller is this, <laughs> is this and i don't know this uh if we go back into like the 70s and 60s do we do we have any other science fiction where we have technology run amok like this probably twilight zone might have um played with that a little bit yeah yeah i would i would, I would have I guessed twilight zone goes, as well. uh, stephen king stuff would have been later than this or yeah, maybe. I can't remember when his when his uh, book came out with the uh, where the all the cars and machines come alive and start killing people. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that movie, oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I don't know, but you know, it's, it, it has to be one of the earlier ones. I mean, this you know, obviously, obviously, the Matrix kind of plays with that whole idea, mm-hmm. technology. Well, when was Christine done? I mean, I know that's a spirit, but still, it's technology, right? Yeah, I don't know. 
I, I just remember, I mean, even in, you know, with, with com, even in com, superhero comic books, they were, they sometimes explore that idea of computers and machines taking over. And, uh, so it's, it, it it's a it's it's an old idea. I mean, it goes right. back a while. I guess the Borg are in there. You know, that, but they're that, a little bit more of a human component. Mm-hmm. The de- the detail though with which this movie right. goes into the networking possibilities. Well, I think the networking is what brings this maybe a little bit more closer to home. Right. And you think of how we're all linked to mm-hmm. everyone else on the internet. Oh yeah. So. Go, um, do you want to finish reading his uh, email there? Yeah, his last his last statement is, Overall, we love to rewind the movie. The 80s were an awesome decade in many ways to include the release of a number of a number of now icons, iconic sci-fi films, yeah. The Terminator being one of them. Yeah, and he also says, The special effects were a mix of amazing for the time, opening scenes with tracked vehicles rolling over the rubble of human skulls, the cheesy for the movie like, and, a cheesy, uh, and cheesy for a movie like this. When the Terminator removes his damaged human eye, it seems like we're looking at the mask of a wax head. When the close-up scenes of the skinless Terminator were good, shots of the machine walking further away seemed like low-tech stop-motion animation done by Ray Harryhausen in the movies Clash of the Titans, 1981. It seemed like an odd mix of effects for me, and by 1986, we see none of these cheese when Cameron brings us aliens. There seems to have been two pivotal years for Cameron as a director and special effects and technology. Mm-hmm. Not to mention a bigger budget. Oh yeah, I think I think if if Cameron it was had, at least double, Aliens was at least double. Yeah, if Cameron would have had twice the budget he had for 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 Terminator, I mean, I, I'm sure the visual effects would have been a lot better. Yeah, yeah. Well, we also got an email in from uh, thanks JP for sending us that. Appreciate it. And we also got an email in from Jim Arrowwood. He says this: Hi all. First Terminator will always be a classic movie, and it's been a while since I've watched the first one, only be, because he always played the others on TV a lot more. But you gotta love it when Arnold walks into the bar and takes the biker's clothes and sunglasses. That and when Michael Bean comes back in time to help Linda Hamilton's character. And time travel, to begin with, is pretty trippy to think about. Thinking about his character winds up becoming the father for his best friend, and I'm sure it wasn't easy for John to keep it to himself. And he had to send his father back in time to die anyways? Sad, really, if you think about it. And then I'm sure Michael Bean's character, Carl Reese, probably didn't know either that he was the father of a rebel leader. It could make you crazy going around circles just thinking about it. Boy, actually, this isn't Jim. This is Jen from New York. Okay. Jen from New York. So, but yeah, I mean, we, we kind of mentioned, like, did he know or didn't he know? And we're kind of guessing what, but he does know? I don't, know. I, I don't think, I mean, I, I, I think Connor knew what he oh, was yeah. doing. Yeah. No, I don't think Kyle knew. No, I don't think he did either. Um, and this one is from, uh, this is from uh, Jim Arahead. So Okay. Yeah, but if you keep thinking about it, we know, uh, what we know about the series because uh, when the first movie came out, we didn't know much about the history of John Connor when the first one came out. I thought it was cool and all that about how this guy came from the past to try and protect Sarah because she was a mother of the rebel leader at the time. We didn't know that he was his father until the ending. Definitely a paradox. I think it was me and that I'd send my father back into a time like that to his doom without even getting a chance to tell him that he was my father. I think that would drive me crazy. And we talked about the grandfather paradox, which is awesome. You know, I, I, I think that Connor had his whole life to get used to the idea of sending his father back in time. So that when it came around, like he was probably like, well, I need to do this. Like, over that whole... Not to mention, by that time, he's grown up without a father. He has yeah. no... The, the attachments that we form with our fathers at, as a young age, you know, he didn't have. Right. I mean, his father... When he's growing up, I mean, his father is a young kid. Um, you know, he's older than his own father, which is, a, you know, paradox, yeah. too. Right. Well, if you look in the second movie... Uh, really, uh, the Terminator that he's sending his father back to protect her again 
is kind of his father in the second movie sort of plays the, the fatherly role to him. So, you know, cause you know, with the whole end of the second movie with him having to, you know, he, he had become emotionally attached to the Terminator, right. you know, and, and, uh, you know, so it's, it's kind of a, that even throw, makes it even weirder, you know, cause oh, he's, yeah. send, he's sending his father back to protect him against this machine that will eventually come back to sit, protect him against a different machine, you know, and right. it's, it's, it's <laughs> the, the, your head hurts after a while. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, hurts sitting here thinking mm-hmm. about it. Uh, I think in the, in the fourth one, they, they go into a little bit more about like his mindset. And you say, Eddie wouldn't see the fourth one here. Yes. yes. Yeah. yes. Okay. So he's, he's, you know, kind of almost an outcast of the, you know, he at first he's a leader and then he becomes kind of an outcast. Or not not necessarily outcast or not respected as much as you would assume he would be. So he's got all this anger like built up inside of them. Well he's kind of at odds with the army, isn't he? Like the yeah. army has their own thing going and then he has his underground that has their own thing going. And- yeah. Yeah, he's not the in the fourth one he's not the supreme leader of the resistance. It's right. you know it's kind of a- Michael Ironside's character, I guess. Yeah. But yeah. Very good. Well, any uh, any parting comments here as we wrap up or Terminator or Rewind here? I think we did a good job of dissecting it. I just want to reiterate that the Terminator in the third movie is hot. Right, right. right. <laughs> we got that, David. We oh, okay. Right, right, All right. Right. Any any last comments, Keith? Um, no. No. But, but I will say, you know, when you look at Terminator, if you haven't ever watched Terminator 1, you're listening to this and you're still with us now, um, go back and rewatch it. It's a classic movie. You almost have to have it under your belt to really appreciate the rest of the Terminator franchise, in my, in my opinion. Yeah, it's what started it all. Um, and it's still good science fiction. I mean, despite some, maybe it didn't have all the resources, yeah. it, it, you know, you know, a movie like today would have, but I think it, it is still excellent storytelling. And if you like time travels that, you know, hurt your head, yeah. uh, this, this will, this will do it. Very good. Very good. Well, guys, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, you know, Keith and David, who are with us tonight, and you guys are from the Lancaster. You want to tell people a little bit about where they can find you and uh, pl- plug yourself a little bit here? Sure. Well, just like we said before, we're uh, the Lancaster, and what we do is we take ordinary people and have extraordinary conversation, whether it's an artist, musician, politician, or the everyday man kind of just talking about what they're doing in their life. And uh, one of the things that we pride ourselves on is that when we have somebody who's known for a certain something, whether it's a business or a certain project, we have them on the show. We like to talk to them about what you normally wouldn't hear in an interview, who they really are behind the um, spotlight, I should say. Uh, you can find us on the internet at thelancast.com. Uh, you can download our episodes or subscribe at iTunes. Uh, we also have email subscription on the site, so you can yeah. get it right to your email. And you're on Twitter and other places as well. Yep. Facebook. Facebook. Facebook.com. Find lots of Lincoln. pictures of us. And we're very handsome people. It's, it's yes. true. It's true. If you want to find out who's... Especially, especially David. <laughs> My <laughs> wife actually has told me she has a crush on me. <laughs> <laughs> we, have, we have an amazing photographer, Quinn Baker. And uh, so there's lots of pictures of us yeah. online. Yeah. We're not she, shy. She, she's harassing me to get on the show sometimes. We might work her in. Right. So, very good. Yeah. Well, thanks guys for joining us. And uh, we, of course, are Miles. We're with the Sci-Fi Matter Podcast. Where can they find us? Uh, we have a Facebook page we're active on. Um, also, um, we started a forums about a month or so ago. So yeah. you, if you go to our main website, sci-fi-dinnerpodcast.com, that'll give you a link to our forums. And, uh, and obviously the web page will give you links to everywhere else. Yes, we're on Twitter and um, 
plenty of deluge of social media. Yeah, all right. Well, that's about it. Thank you guys for joining us. Remember, next month it is Total Recall. We are going to rewatch before the second, the newest Total Recall comes out. You looking forward to that, Miles? I am. I'm surprised. I mean, when I first heard about it, I didn't like the idea of a remake, but now that I saw the trailer for it, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. How about you guys? Have you guys seen the trailer for the new Total Recall? I have not. But I, I was going to say that that uh, sounds like something I might be interested in. Cautiously. Yeah. I was very against it until I saw the trailer, and then I was like, hey, I want to see this movie. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. <laughs> anyways, we're going to rewind the old one so we can kind of go into it with a perspective and compare the two when we see it. Mm-hmm. So, very cool. Well, thank you guys for joining us, and I believe that's about it. My, Miles, my, Matt, did I just call you Matt? I think you Matt, did. I did. We're both okay, big Matt. bald guys. So okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> one of our friends, Matt, who looks exactly like Miles. Sort of. <laughs> but uh, thank you so much for joining us, and I believe that's about it. Let's shut down the diner and uh, get out of here. All right. Well, until next time, good night and good luck. We'll see you.